show is a part of the Versus the Universe Network. For more information on Versus the Universe, go to versustheuniverse.com. That's vstheuniverse.com. You got your headphones on? Good. Now let's get on with the show. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Hey everyone, welcome to Digital Dumpster Diving, where we dig through digital games and movies trying to find something worth our time and maybe yours. Will we find trash or treasure? I am Dave Martin, and with me is the highly esteemed Matt Peters. How are things going for you, Matt? I don't know about highly esteemed, but I'm here, man. How are things with you? They are going very. Um, I, <laughs> I, I was happy to see that there is a new episode of Since Last We Spoke Up. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks for the for the layup on that one. So the official launch of um, my podcast since last we spoke is upon us. It's kind of like jazz. So every episode is going to grow a little bit. It's going to differ a little bit from the last one. But you can always count on a few things. You can count on um, a great track by local producer Vela Sef. You can count on my voice if you're into that sort of thing. You can count on a Resnaculous segment. Uh, where I talk about all kind of weird snack foods, like those crazy Oreo flavors that you're always too scared to try. <laughs> and I'll have an interview with somebody who I find intriguing and I just want to have a conversation with, hence the title, Since Last We Spoke. So I would ask that our listeners particularly tune into episode two, which features this guy that I interviewed live from Las Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show. His name is Dave Martin. Be afraid. Be very, very afraid. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. All right. So uh, before we go any further, of course, big ups to our family over at Versus the Universe. You know, they, they, they keep us going. They got the Patreon, right? You know, it's great. patreon Rific. I have nothing to add to that. But they're doing a lot over there. In fact, they introduced a game today uh, that <laughs> features uh, Sean Bean, whose name, if you read it, you know, looks like it's a similar word, but it's actually pronounced very differently. So Sean Bean is a collectible card game that you need to check out uh, uh, exclusive to Versus the Universe's Patreon campaign. Throw him a buck or two. What's the harm, right? Yes. You know, go ahead and give a little bit there. But my understanding is that the game is free regardless of whether or not you donate, but it is available through the Patreon site. And that's just too generous, man. That's just way too generous. I'm going to have to have a conversation with those guys. Well, you know, that's just how they roll. They've always been giving away free stuff and providing free entertainment, but it does cost them money. And so Patreon is a wonderful way that we can help them from, you know, living in a van down by the river. <laughs> a van down by the river. Yes. <laughs> Classic Farley. So um, also, speaking of generous, I have to acknowledge our most generous friend, Melly Kirk, who tweeted us at the 3D cast from her uh, Twitter handle, just plain Melly. Uh, with today's suggestion, we uh, actually viewed the horror anthology holidays. So thanks, Melly. Yes, thank you. Um, I appreciate what you gave us. Uh, everybody has different tastes. I recognize that. Yes. <laughs> but I appreciate, I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah, full disclosure, Melly is a really great friend of mine. Uh, she's uh, awesome. She's the managing editor of MightyInc.net. She has her own blog where she writes about all kinds of different stuff, like, you know, cupcakes, coffee, crumb snatchers, that sort of thing. Um, 
But yeah, she is really into the horror genre. So when she pitched this to us, I was intrigued. I wanted to see where her tastes lied. And I got to tell you, the great thing about anthologies is that you're going to get something different from every single segment. And yeah, let's let's dive into the description before we go any further. <laughs> so Holidays is an anthology feature film, as I mentioned, that puts a dark spin on some of the most iconic and beloved holidays of all time. The film challenges our folklore, traditions, and assumptions making holidays a celebration of the horror on those same special days year after year. Now, it features a collaboration of some of Hollywood's most distinct voices. We'll get to the directors as we go through the list of the holidays so you can associate them with their work, but there's a ton of talent here. Uh, it also stars Seth Green, Lorenzo Izzo, and Harley Quinn Smith. And knowing that Harley Quinn Smith is in this Obviously, it's an indication that her dad directed a segment as well, because she is his favorite actress currently. <laughs> yes, she is. Right on. So since I've been blabbing a lot, Dave, I'm going to go ahead and let you, I'm going to give you the pleasure of telling the folks what the rating scale is all about. The rating scale, uh, as per usual, we have Toxic Sludge for the worst of the worst, something that, you know, there's... There's no redeeming quality whatsoever to this. Uh, if it's pretty bad but has some potential, uh, we might label it hazardous. If it's you know solid entertainment, especially for the low price of free ninety nine, it'll be oh, reusable. Yeah. <laughs> and as always, we are looking for treasure, uh, something that in the realm of free entertainment is high quality, hits you in the right spot, and helps you kill some time. We'll see if this one makes it there. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. <laughs> and I'm not sure if I actually said the word treasure in there, but that's treasure. No, no, you totally said it. You totally said it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're all good. So you folks get the rating scale. Um, all right, Dave. So <laughs> we talked a little bit before the show, and you confided in me that there were some pieces of this that you could not stomach. I want to know, are you usually a horror fan? Well, see, there's different kinds of horror. I am all for, like, campy horror or mm. horror that's supposed to be frightening. Sure. But if it's primarily something that's just intended to be disturbing and intended to bother you, that's not my favorite kind of horror. Now, I, I understand that, that there is an appeal to it. People like a variety of different things. But that is not the kind of thing that I'm personally looking for in, in a horror film. Okay. Yeah, this this uh, anthology did feature a lot of what they call body horror, and as you and I mentioned previously as well, pregnancy seemed to pop up pretty frequently. <laughs> yes, but it wasn't you know pregnancy in the oh you're you're glowing you look like you're having a wonderful demon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we should also pause here and just say, listeners, beware uh, if you are of um, delicate sensibilities. Some of the imagery and things that we're going to be talking about may disturb you, so listener discretion is advised. Yes, there was uh, copious amounts of uh, each each uh, vignette was different. So, like some had more language than others, some had more nudity, um, implied stuff. Yeah, oh yeah, there was there was stuff. Stuff. There was definitely stuff. So, all right, let's go ahead and get this rated so we can dive right in to the gore fest and give our impressions on each piece by piece by bloody piece. So I don't remember what I had labeled a Christmas horror story, but that my view of that went up having watched this again, because this was not necessarily what I was looking for. Mm -hmm. Um, 
some of the some of the acting was pretty good. Some of the scenes seemed fairly well, fairly well done, but the one it started off on, I thought the acting was pretty awful. The plot was poor. I didn't. Yeah, it's overall just given my taste. I'm gonna have to go with Toxic Sludge on this. Oh man, that's harsh. It is harsh. <laughs> uh, some some of them were better than others, and. Yeah. But uh, overall, for what I was looking for, this was not it. Okay, okay. I'm going to... Hmm, I'm going to have to give this a reusable. I feel like... Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of stuff in there that could have been improved upon. Um, but overall, with the horror genre, the types of films that I, I'm, I'm familiar with, uh, you know, they don't really give you any type of... any type of closure... Uh, the majority of the time, it's basically just a scare fest. Uh, you're there for the for the feeling of of jumping out of your skin. You're there for the uh, the special effects and the makeup and that sort of thing. And there were some effects in here that really did make my skin crawl. And we'll get to that in our our, our spoiler uh, spoiler filled portion of the show. But yeah, man, as far as horror films go, I kind of rate them on a different scale, and I would have to put it on reusable. It's fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Horror films generally do not have tightly written scripts. Right. So, yes, I, I can see. Uh, I can see a different scale for that. <laughs> but I, I respect your toxic sludge, and we're gonna get into it right after this. <laughs> did I just make a commercial break? What the hell? I think you did just make a commercial break. <laughs> after these messages, will be. Right back. Yes, ABC Saturday Morning Cartoons. I remember them fondly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dig into the meat. Yes, speaking of digging into meat, well, actually, that's the third one, but we won't get to that yet. We but, won't get uh, to that. I yes. thought you were about to segue into an ad that, speaking of meat, <laughs> Omaha Steaks. <laughs> you can cook them well done and slather them with ketchup, just like our 45th president. Uh, okay. <laughs> Um, oh no! I, I don't know. So okay, so, let's dive right in. So speaking of diving in, though, that was that was yeah. lovely because the first episode is the swim coach one. <laughs> I am a Segway machine, sir. Uh, yeah. So of course, our, our first holiday was Valentine's Day. That sound? Did you did you manage to make it through this one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was probably in some ways, in terms of the quality of the writing, the worst one I thought. Yeah. There was a lot of really badly acted scenes and stuff where I was just wondering, what's going on? Is is he flirting with her? Is he flirting with someone else? Is he trying to be nice? The is the the swim coach is he trying to flirt with his students? What's going they never on? really address that that elephant in the room, and that harkens back to what I was saying before about you know the plot's not really coming together in a uh, I don't know in a uh, satisfying way. If you're looking for that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. I should also mention that this was directed by Kevin Kolsch, who directed uh, Starry Eyes. So, you know, folks that are fans of his work may find some quality here. But yeah, it just, I don't know. It didn't really strike me. Uh, the girls, mean girls, yeah, we get it. It just kind of mixed together a lot of tropes from different, like, teen girl or movies and dramas and that sort of thing. It just seemed kind of like uh, run-of-the-mill, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so there was um, Max or Maxie, uh, who was not the popular one. She was, I don't, was she's trying out for the dive team? Was she on the dive team? She was Any, like full on the dive team, yes. 
and she was supposed to dive in, and they were just making fun of her. She couldn't dive in. Then she kept fantasizing about her coach. She got shoved into the pool by one of the other girls. I don't know how she didn't get the other girl didn't get stopped, but anyway, coach jumps in and saves Maybe. her. I mean, if I'm if I'm reading that much into it, I could see it as the coach didn't want to interfere because he didn't want to reveal that he had these feelings for her, you know, that he shouldn't be having. So he decided to kind of hang back and let them bully her. Yeah, although her name wasn't the first name on the Valentine's Day card, so I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it just don't don't look for it to make sense because it probably won't. But it was bloody. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's move on to our second segment, St. Patrick's Day. It features some uh, intriguingly strange imagery, as I've heard. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, you kind of had to jog my memory on this one a little bit. This is um, an interesting tale of a woman who becomes impregnated by a snake. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so she's a teacher, and there's this girl in her class who just won't smile. And then the girl writes, you know, the only thing that could make me smile is your fondest dream or something like that. The girl had seen her looking longingly at a parent of a young child. So apparently the teacher goes out, gets has a party, party night, doesn't remember it, but uh, comes back pregnant with a snake. And she was impregnated by uh, Zuko from Greece, I guess. They didn't really, <laughs> they didn't really clarify Danny that Zuko. too much. It was Danny Zuko. Dude, okay, so the beginning of this really intrigued me. The whole, like, mythology with the the paper snake and everything like that, and the girl who wouldn't smile, the little rhyme that went along with it, that really intrigued me. So it was off to a good start. And the part at the end where they're dancing around with the snake, and it's, like, super long, even though she just gave birth to it and everything. I mean, even if we're suspending belief that a human being can give birth to a lizard like that, her stomach was nowhere near big enough to hold that much snake. Yeah, that was that was quite the large snake. Well, and it was a weird, like, snapshotty ending to it. The the cinematography for that part was just out of left field. It was it was very jarring <laughs> in a weird, campy way that didn't fit the rest of the episode of that segment. Okay, I'm gonna describe this for you, and I believe I have it down perfectly. That cinematography was almost shot for shot the same cinematography of the end of the Blind Melon No Rain video with the B-Girl that she went into, <laughs> like, you know, the meadow and they're dancing around. That's what that reminded me of. I started humming it, like, when I saw that scene. Well, <laughs> so I, that was cool. I mean, yeah, that was... I, I did not pick up on that, but now that you say that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was cool. That was kind of like a, a nice little self-contained story. So, you know, like I said, I give that a pass that was uh directed by gary shore uh from dracula untold and i could i can say it was much better than dracula untold all right so moving on to the third segment easter yes and this one was also a little bit weird just the the interaction between the mom and the daughter she's trying to get her daughter to go to sleep and the daughter's asking about easter and the easter bunny's gonna come but you don't want to see the easter bunny and apparently the dad died over the last year or something. Yeah. And it's just a conversation which didn't really seem to go anywhere. But it basically was presenting that because of Jesus, there's resurrection. Jesus resurrected. He comes on. He rose on Easter. 
the Easter Bunny comes on Easter. <laughs> Are they both real? Right. What's going on? Well, I kind of, I kind of appreciated that a little bit because, um, you know, it, it, it perfectly encapsulates the difficult position that parents are in when they try to uh, both teach the mythology of the holiday and the religion of the holiday simultaneously and have them coexist. Because you always hear the same thing. Jesus is the reason for the season, for Christmas and for Easter, obviously. Um, But you have these fictional characters, again, you know, parental discretion is advised here. Santa's real, kids. I don't want you guys to treat me like Robin (laughs) Robinson that one time. Um, So, yeah, no, it's (laughs) <laughs> and the outcome <laughs> the outcome oh my god <laughs> oh well that that phrase might be kind of literal yeah given what they did with that yeah dude okay yeah. so this was probably the best visual effect in the entire anthology yes seeing the the mutated hybrid jesus slash easter bunny that hatched out of an easter egg <laughs> oh that, that rolled in through their patio sliding door with the sickest sound effects i've ever heard in my <laughs> life dude see this is what got it up to that tier this this segment right here and those visual effects and the makeup it was pretty it was pretty great it was short and sweet they did what they set out to do you're right the story did kind of go in circles but yeah it made its point by the time you saw (laughs) jesus bunny yeah oh (laughs) yes and it it was creepy jesus bunny (laughs) oh yeah hatching eggs out of the wounds in his hands yeah man yeah not not cool not cool at all (laughs) well and you you know yeah i just didn't like this well one thing i'm not a yeah, this is just me. I'm one of those weird religious people. Um, <laughs> but I didn't like that representation. But aside from that, so apparently because she saw him, she has to replace him. Right. And But none of that really got explained. And then there was the weird thing with the door latch at the end. And I just, I, I don't know if they were... Is, for my taste, if they're going to do that, I would want to see more of what's going on with this. Yeah. And is this supposed to tie in with her dad somehow? I just I just left confused. Right. The dad being gone didn't make any sense. But you know what? By the end of it, I was just totally freaked out by, by Bunny Jesus. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm done. You guys win. So I, thank I you, I... Nicholas McCarthy, for directing next segment and The Pact. I really enjoyed that movie. Which well, he also directed. You hear Bunny Jesus and you think, oh, that's sweet and lovely, a Bunny Jesus mix. No, this is the most horrifying Bunny Jesus you could possibly imagine. This was like, this was legit creepy. I've never imagined a Bunny Jesus before. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm stuck with that Bunny Jesus. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no soft and cuddly and fuzzy on this. It's, it's just like filthy, McNasty, slimy Bunny Jesus. Yeah, this is yeah. adult swim Jesus. <laughs> this is not yeah yeah well no i take it back adult swim jesus is black is black jesus <laughs> he's aqua teen hunger for specific jesus <laughs> all right let's 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 get off let's get off easter and go to our fourth segment mother's day so yeah with this one we've got a woman who apparently no matter what she does she gets pregnant every time she has sex yes even when her significant other double or triple condoms um, 
she gets pregnant every single time. She's had numerous abortions. Um, and then her doctor recommends her to a fertility festival yeah. thing. Thing. Yeah. It, w- it just really had a, a, a hippie vibe. You know. Yes, let's have you been to a peyote event before? <laughs> now I gotta I gotta be honest with you, I don't quite remember how this one ended. Um, so basically she goes there and there's a lot of women chestular regions and crazy oh, drugs yeah. and uh dudes speaking Spanish that uh don't worry my little bird, it's going to be alright and apparently rapes her. Uh then they keep her drugged up for the baby to come. Apparently she's told by some priestess or something that she's the gateway. Uh yeah. And uh so they keep her drugged up, she sort of breaks out of it, gets a phone, tries to call nine one one runs away, um, they chase her down, she falls, goes into labor, and then you see a demon arm come out from between her legs. And that was it, right? That was it? That, that was the whole uh, thing? That was, that was pretty much how it ended on that note, yeah. You see, this is why I didn't hardly remember it at all. It all came back to me when you started going through the details, but all of that was just build-up, man. It was all sizzle and no steak, and it just There's didn't no do steak. it for me. There was no steak. A There's demon not arm, even, even bacon. There was... <laughs> This is got. This would have gotten treasure if there was bacon involved. Okay, I'll say that right now. But and it would have been unexpected as well if, like, you know, bacon you just like came out. That would be, you know. Yeah, it felt like that one was kind of shoehorned in, you know. And it, 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 it's sad that it was the only uh, female writer director on the anthology that put this one in there because I don't feel like it was memorable enough. To stand out, obviously, because you had to remind me. Yeah, man. Sarah Dina Smith. Sorry. I like horror that's either legitimately frightening or that is campy fun. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seemed like some of these, especially the pregnancy with weird things, was just writing on the disturbing factor. And I'm just not in on seeing a woman drugged, raped, held against her will, and having a demon emerge from her nethers. Right. Um, yeah. So, but uh, the next segment, unless you had something else on that one, I actually w- was kind of intriguing. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Uh, Father's Day. Yeah. That was, uh, and that one, that one kind of hooked me like right away. Yeah. Um, the, so the, the plot was really, really clever. I wish there would have been a little bit more of a denouement or a, some sort of explanation of what exactly happened. But do you want to go on in that one? Yeah, I'll dig into that. So uh, the director of this segment was Anthony Scott Burns. And, you know, it just really communicated this sense of just despair and sorrow. And, you know, it, it was it was just so moody. I loved it. Um, the, the story just telling of uh, the, the young, well, the young lady who uh, discovered a tape left by her long uh, thought dead father who recorded it for her while walking along with her through uh, their town uh, while she was a little girl. So she's retracing their steps and just kind of listening to the goings-on of the world and everything like that. And it's really building this world out. But what was really striking to me is that while she's going through this town, you can hear all this hustle and bustle on the uh, audio cassette that she's listening to in a very big old audio cassette player. But 
there's no one else in this world but her. She's just walking alone. At the beginning of the segment, she does call her mother to say, hey, how could you? You told me he was dead, and I find out he's been missing all this time, that sort of thing. But other than that interaction, and the mother doesn't speak back to her, you don't hear it anyway. Um, yeah, it's it's just the, this one young lady in the whole in the whole segment. Until yeah, the, the town's a ghost town. Yeah. Um, and the only other voice you hear is the her father on the tape, and you also her as a child. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, for you gamers, uh, the the father's voice uh, really was was reminiscent to um, the unfortunately canceled PT uh, Silent Hills game that was supposed to come out a while ago. Uh, just you know, throughout that game, you heard uh, a voice on the radio kind of telling you the goings on of Silent Hill, and the dad just had that menacing tone in his voice, where it sounded you know fatherly, but it also sounded like it had a little bit of a dark edge to it. Just very well done. I, I love the uh, the the world building on this. What I didn't love is how they just cut itself uh, how it just cut itself off at the end like that. Yeah. So well, they had. In addition to her, like, walking and hearing from her father, they kept showing what looked like some sort of a planetary alignment or the the moon aligning with the Earth or something. I, I didn't catch exactly what that was supposed to be, but, but gave you, like, teases of where this could be going. Right. And then it just ended. We came upon the, uh, the decaying husk. Uh, which we are led to believe is her uh, long-gone father, who uh, leaves the peace with, now we can finally be together. We don't know why he needs... Yeah, yeah, we don't know why he needs her specifically, or if it was part of a a bargain that he made to spare her life in some way. And all these unanswered questions just made my mind race after, uh, after seeing it. So, in a way... It's it's good in the fact that it makes you it leaves you wanting more. Um, yes. Hopefully, uh, Anthony Scott Burns will go back and revisit that concept at a, at a later time. Uh, yes. You know, just the same way Stephen King goes back and he does um, his short stories as as long form books. You know, I could see this being a full film. I, I'd watch it. I'd check it out. Well, and I really liked the lead up to that as she's walking up to that. Now, the ending I didn't like, but the lead up to it, as she's going there, she sees what she assumes is her father, yeah. and th- there's more tension building, and then there's the line over the recorder, and you came here of your own free will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like, was like, oh, no. Yeah, like he had to like really drive that point home to whatever this higher <laughs> power was that he was hoping to appease. Like, yes, I did not trap her. She is here of her own free will. Like a, a type of a vampire thing, how they can't come in unless you invite them or something. You know, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was a groovy one. And then the next one was one that I was really looking forward to. And it's funny because, uh, you know, as we go through these films, the directors may sound familiar to true horror fans. Um, but there is a name here that stands head and shoulders above all the others, and that's the one and only Kevin Smith. I'm a big Kevin Smith fan. I even saw Tusk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved I loved Red State. I thought Tusk was very good, actually. Uh, as as mentioned earlier, this this stars his uh, his daughter uh, Harley Quinn Smith as as one of the characters. Why don't you kind of give us the rundown of what this one was about? So. 
you were introduced to the the main character, who's a guy who's just a filthy McNasty guy who's trying to he's running advertisements around the country, trying to get girls to be cam girls. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, given the internet, why they actually have to come out to L.A. with him. But anyway, they're supposed to leave their home, come out to L.A., and they're gonna be you know swimming in money, living this glamorous lifestyle. Oh, it's not porn. It's just being a cam girl. Oh, sure. And so he 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 get home and apparently he has three girls already there and two more on the way and they're watching a movie a cartoon or something well, someone's brewing something a cauldron and that introduces the idea of witchcraft and then hijinks ensue yes hijinks do ensue we don't need to get into that too much um... <laughs> let's just say don't treat women poorly yes so uh, I should also mention that. Uh, our friend, the lovely Melissa Kirk, uh, told me that um, the 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 guy who's the lead of this segment is the co-creator of the YouTube channel known as Epic Mealtime, Harley uh, Morenstein. And I didn't recognize him. I watched Epic Mealtime on occasion. I didn't recognize that dude. He had his hair done a little differently, I guess. But yeah, by the end of it, uh, he's he's not his, he's not all there anymore. No, a lot of it's gone. No. Yeah. A lot of it's gone, yeah. A lot of it's gone. So I, I don't really think that we need to dig too much into this. Um, the deck was stacked in this segment's favor, but I thought it was actually one of the uh, you know low points of the uh, of the anthology. Um, and that hurts me to say because I really like Kevin Smith. But um, yeah, it, it was just besides the self-mutilization of our epic mealtime guy, it was uneventful, you know? You know, it just feels like, again, there, there was just going for the shock factor and the low-hanging fruit. I'm sorry, I couldn't <laughs> tell myself with that one. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's that's going on a highlight reel, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for that. Okay. <laughs> I nominate that for Calvin <laughs> of 2017. Good job. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low-hanging fruit. Okay. <laughs> totally went for it did not miss um but yeah man yeah it, it just i didn't i didn't dig it it just yeah. seemed kind of schlocky you know yeah it just seemed like one of those really bad 1980s were th- like a bunch of friends are throwing together some sort of gory what's the worst thing we could possibly do to someone? Okay. How do we script it? Kind of a thing. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like the quality we would have expected from Kevin Smith. Right, 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 right. I had high hopes for it. And when I saw that it started out with the main character going through a convenience store, I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> we're going to get a cameo, <laughs> but no, unfortunately not, not this time. Um, so yeah, so look forward to what Kevin Smith does next, but this one, yeah, we can move on. So the next segment we get to, and we're actually on our last two, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. The next segment was Christmas. And this had the esteemed Seth Green. Yeah. Seth Green of Family Guy and Robot Chicken fame. And Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That too. <laughs> yeah watch that instead yeah yeah yeah, yeah totally um, yeah so he is a father who is desperate to get a present for his child on Christmas as many fathers are and basically they just completely 
ripped off Arnold Schwarzenegger in Sinbad's classic. Oh my God, I can't remember the name of the movie. <laughs> oh, um. Jingle All the Way. Yes, yes. Yes, they ripped off Jingle All the Way. <laughs> but I it's a lot Sinbad. more sinister. Yeah, me too. I think Sinbad misses Sinbad too. <laughs> but back to Seth Green and his hijinks. So, unfortunately, his did not involve sliding around and dressing up as Santa Claus. Oh, no, 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 no. He needed a toy for his child so badly that when he saw a gentleman purchase the toy that he wanted, um, which was this pair of VR goggles, which are all the rage these days. Thank you, PlayStation. Um, If they want to send us one, that's cool. Um, We would not mind. We would not mind. Uh, (laughs) So, anyway, he, he... sees this gentleman go into a seizure or something like that. Uh, we see him lying on the ground. His pills are right next to his hand. He's reaching out for them. And Seth Green's like, I'll call the cops. And then he changes his mind at the last second. And he grabs the VR goggles and he absconds with them to his, um, his loving wife. Yeah, his loving wife, who's just sure. an, an angel. Oh, yeah. So yeah. this one, this one actually, I got to tell you, it kind of felt more like... Um, and it had a lot to do with Seth Green being the star of it. It felt a lot more like a Tales from the Crypt or something like that, or just, uh, you know, an Outer Limits, just something a little bit more lighthearted. Yes, that's actually the vibe I got from this one, too, was Tales from the Crypt. Ah, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Crypt Keeper. Ah, uh, he's coming back, man. Oh, he back. is? Oh, yeah, yeah. You I heard it here first, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> they're bringing back Tales from the Crypt, and the Crypt Keeper's coming back with it, so get ready for that. It's happening soon. But I digress. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of this one overall? I mean, um, I guess we should kind of describe a little bit what, what the what the twist was here. So uh, basically, whoever puts on these VR goggles is supposed to tap into your psyche and your online habits and show you what you want to see most. Uh, so, of course, it's like dream tech. But... Uh, the kid puts on the goggles on Christmas morning. He's an innocent in the whole thing, so he sees Mars. Uh, Seth Green puts on the goggles, and he sees some BDSM action going down. Which... Spank me, Daddy. Spank me. <laughs> I never needed to hear you say that. <laughs> but yeah, he sees all that that hardcore action going on. And oddly enough, this was the moment where they could have shown some TNA. They chose not to. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, you know, he becomes addicted to it because, uh, you know, he's a little bit of a milk toast type of guy. So every chance he gets from there on out, he puts on these goggles to live out his fantasies. But then something strange happens. The goggles begin to malfunction and they show him the sins of his past. Uh, and what's odd is they're, they're showing his sins from the vantage point of the guy laying on the ground who he left to die and stole the VR goggles. So, um, of course, he didn't log out. You know, many guys make that mistake, (laughs) get caught up. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, his wife ended up seeing it. And, of course, because she's cold and conniving, she gets turned on by the fact that he did something so callous uh, as to steal from a guy on Christmas Eve. And Seth Green gets curious, too. So, you know, his wife's using the goggles, having the best sex of his life and everything, and she's off cooking him breakfast or something. He wants to see what her uh, perfect world looks like. But instead, he sees a flashback of a sin that she committed, and she ended up killing her boss. 
and that's where it ends. Such a happy family. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, we got we got up to Act Two with that one at least, but yeah, it still kind of left you wanting something else. Yeah. Yep. 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 Oh, the director of that piece was Adam Egypt Mortimer, which is a great name. It is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. If we have another kid, um, boy or girl, I'm pushing for Mortimer. I thought you were gonna go with Adam Egypt because that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of boss. He sounds like a DJ or something. Um, all right, so last but not least, we have New Year's Eve. Um, what'd you think of this one? I did actually did not make it up till New Year's Eve. I, <laughs> I fell asleep at eleven o'clock. <laughs> well, that just makes sense, <laughs> you know, as we get older, you know. <laughs> so basically, this one was about dueling um, serial killers. Uh, one gentleman's mode of uh, finding a victim was going on like okay Cupid and plenty of fish and just finding women who are desperate enough to meet him and you know come home with him that sort of thing so he would celebrate all these different holidays with these women you know kind of closing out the whole anthology here yeah it's it's funny because the the whole thing about it being uh, called New Year's it barely features New Year's at all so he meets his victim on New Year's Eve, because people go on first dates on New Year's Eve, I guess, which is really weird. So he goes on this date on New Year's Eve, and he meets this lady in the restaurant. They end up going home. She seems pretty desperate. And he's like, all right, cool. This is a layup. I can just go ahead, kill her, knock it out of the park. Sure. Turns out she's a psycho killer herself. <laughs> And she was trying to get him as a mark. So they end up having a psycho off and his foot gets chopped off and he ends up driving an ax through his head and it's just really gory. And it basically was just the exclamation point on the whole anthology. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I've probably had worse dates, so. (laughs) So that's all, man. That's the whole thing. That's the whole shebang. Uh, As always... In, in situations like this, we try to send you folks home with something to ease the pain, something to make you forget about the movie that you just saw that may not have been the best movie in the world. So I've got a couple suggestions this time around. First of which is an anthology. Uh, it came out a few years ago. I believe both of these are available on Netflix, if not Amazon Prime. Um, the first one is ABCs of death. Now this is 26 segments. So you got to really buckle in, but I will say this, the majority of them end. Uh, there's also all kind of mixed media in there. You have claymation, you have animation, you have live action, um, all kind of wild stuff. They're not all great, but when they are good, (laughs) they're really, really good. So check that out. Have your remote handy. In case you need to fast forward through something that really gets <laughs> under your skin. The other one is VHS. This one has a framing sequence about people finding uh, a cache of VHS tapes. And um, this one actually kind of surprised me because, you know, I'm not the biggest horror movie fan in the world. But when something has an interesting like gimmick or hook to it, um, I'm really intrigued. It really does captivate me. VHS is one of those films. So I won't check those out if you're looking to go spend some money on a horror film you already know about this one um get out directed by jordan peele came out last friday uh, my wife and i saw it a lot of our friends saw it it got a hundred percent on rotten tomatoes it features a story that is so captivating it has no business being in a horror film 
Jordan Peele is this is a, his director debut after, of course, being on Keen Peele on Comedy Central. It is a fantastic film. Um, you'll be talking about it days later. So I highly recommend you check that out. I was thinking when you were describing these, the movie, like you watched it before I did. And so after you described it a little bit to me, I was thinking, ooh, I remember so many good 1980s horror movies like Critters and Ghoulies. And uh, I never actually saw it, but we would have video stores. We'd go through and look at the covers, and mom would never let us rent uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night with a picture of, you know, Santa holding a bloody axe on it. Jimmy Top. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So many good 80 movies. But yeah, we I used to watch Critters every time it was on Fox's Saturday or Sunday movies. Well, you know, Halloween was supposed to be an anthology series, but people loved the Michael Myers character so much they brought him back. Like, um, I think it was Halloween 2 season of The Witch. A lot of people swear that that's their favorite one. Um, and I understand why. I liked it too. So, yeah, if you're looking for something a little different, but still in that same vein might want to check that out. And this is going to be a, a little bit of a weird one. It's looking for something that's really suspenseful and creepy. Uh, this is kind of a, a recommendation that's out there. I wish they would make it a movie, but Seize the Night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Dean Koontz book. And if you can get the audio version, the audio version is fantastic. It's 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 a different flavor than this. It's, it's not your typical cheesy horror but it's definitely got some very frightening parts to it and uh if you like listening to audiobooks i would highly recommend seize the night people always are looking for good audiobook recommendations so thank you for that all right i think we've recommended enough horror films so let's go ahead and uh tell the folks what we're going to be checking out next episode um, fortunately, we got another great suggestion uh, from one of our listeners this time around. It's Liz Brodzinski. Uh, you can find her on Twitter at Paperback Lizard. And she tweeted to us, just learned that my favoriteest weird, bad, awesome movie, 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, is available on Amazon streaming. <laughs> and she says, 3D cast, you must cover it. So guess what, Liz? Next episode. We're checking out 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Are you ready, Dave? I am ready. Uh, this is, unless there's multiple versions, this is an older movie, and I am all about uh, older movies. See, this is my biggest complaint about the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. is when it originally came out, they showed a lot of really old movies, and I don't even know if this is sci-fi or not, but they showed a lot of really old, good 50s, 60s sci-fi movies, and they don't really anymore. And so I'm That's looking... True. I'm looking for something old, and uh, yeah, I'm down for this. This might be the cure, man. So yeah, let's check it out. And as always, folks, send us your suggestions at the 3D cast. Make sure to send us something, something of value for us to watch <laughs> and talk to you about. So Dave... Uh, do you have anything else to add before we go? Well, I'm just saying you know, this is the 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. If someone out there has any good you know, image manipulation abilities, maybe Mr. T graduating from medical school, <laughs> this, could, this, <laughs> this could go on our podcast episode cover. <laughs> I used to pity the fool until I realized I was the fool. And then I got my doctorate. <laughs> now I pity no more. <laughs> Roll the credits. <laughs> All right, Dave. Well, I guess that's it for this episode of Digital Dumpster Diving. I'm Matt Peters. And I'm Dave Martin. 
Stay woke. Tune in next time. <laughs> same bat time, same bat channel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>